talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to more like the worst wing. Uh, the sh- podcast where here in 2019 we take a bit of a leftist, more socialist critique of Aaron Sorkin's seminal TV classic, The West Wing. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today's episode is entitled <laughs> War Crimes. <laughs> Woo! War Crimes! <laughs> we love them! Def- definitely not doing any of them today on October 9th, 2019. We love R. them. R.I.P. the Kurds. We def- oh my god. Anyway, unless we're not even that's not going to come up till like the end of the episode. They really tease us with the war crimes. You put it right yeah. there in the title, but you fucking you tease them through all four or five act breaks. Make them watch every goddamn commercial before you Bunch fucking of assholes. before you fucking tell us what those precious war crimes are going to be. So, we're going to take a bit of a different format on this episode because it's very um there are a lot of things that happen in the plot and mm-hmm. talking through the plot would take like a 35 minute take. So we're just going to kind of, uh, let's do talk that about stuff as it comes up. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um, do that. So the, the episode opens with a very, um, we get the press conference is how it actually a press starts. conference. It's very, uh, morose yes. and kind of serious out the <laughs> gate because, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. So it's talking about a church shooting, and uh, where a guy came in, the the original shooter w- wanted to like kill his ex or something. Shoots shoots the ex in the shoulder. Starts like randomly shooting at other people. No one gets hit right away. Then second dude pulls gun, tries to be the the fucking fantastical good guy with a gun, tries to plug the bad shooter, and instead hits eight year old. Uh, I'm pulling up her fictional name here because I care this much, Melissa Markey, uh, who then goes to the hospital and whoopsie doodle dies. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's the the there there's a lot of stuff in this episode about. Texas because this happens in Texas and um, Vice President Hoynes being like a representative of this type of person and it's just like the show wears its ridiculous like technocratic liberalism on its sleeve to a T with gun issues it's just insane but we'll get there in time for right now I'd like to point out that I, I do like the way that you know, CJ gets handed the note and Allison Janney just has to go like, huh, well, Melissa Malarkey. 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 It's a bunch of malarkey. Marky died. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, what are you going to do? Whoops. Whoops. Just another uh, bit for your briefing. Uh, well, she's interrupted mid-briefing by the return of this dude who, man, we're going to talk about this dude a lot because he, he, he rings the gamut this episode from, from low point to high point. Uh, what's, I don't even know the character name. He's, he's oh, I don't a know. traveling journalist who normally covers foreign affairs stuff and is suddenly back in DC cause he got kicked out of Myanmar, um, for reasons that we'll get into, but she's like, Oh my God, Hey, you're back. And he's like, yeah, I'm just sitting wherever. And she's like, you're sitting in like the New York times spot. And he's like, Oh, there's assigned seats. And it's all very funny and cute. Uh, which is then thrown off by, oh, by the way, the nine-year-old girl died. 
Yeah, and um, I mean, we they can do, talk about the guy now. That, well, they do that a lot, and yeah, 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 go ahead. But, like, a lot in this early episode is a lot of tonal whiplash, intentionally so, by having, like, a really bright moment be brought down by, like, oh, and the little girl died. Yeah, it swings back and forth quite a bit. So, okay, actually, we, we get the press conference, and then the sort of, like, after the credits roll. Um, yeah, this was all pre-credits. It's Prez and, and Mrs. Prez coming back to the White House from church because it's Sunday. and Man, is okay. this the Sunday episode. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm going to... Um, I don't know. I I hated this bullshit. My wife was like, oh my god, this interaction is so good. But I'm just sitting here just rolling my eyes because... Well, she it's, does. She does nail him at one point and say he's a fucking snob about this kind of shit, and <laughs> and she's right. And but go ahead. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying it's like <sighs> it's the writers jerking themselves off, like about oh, how how yeah. important writing is and the the poetry because, because of the president words is, and he's talking about the sermon at church and how he could have done it better, right? And like, oh my. God. God, like, Meanwhile, give it a rest. Abby's just trying to be like, but I really like this bit that says, like, you know, you should love your wife more. Like, mm-hmm, you know, <laughs> like, maybe pay attention to me a bit, you know? And, like, yeah. he's completely missing the point. He's just like, ah, blah, blah, the words and the poet. Like, he really gets to a Sorkinism here where he talks about how, like, the words being music and everything. And this one was written by Sorkin, and I can tell. Because this is, like, a core of Sorkin thing where he talks about, to him as a child, listening to dialogue sounded like music and uh, blah, 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 and timber and pitch and, you know, fucking jerking off about how fucking cool words are. And again, both of us love words. They're great. They're fine. Get over it. <laughs> and, like, you devote this scene just goes on forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if you do the nice beat and you have Abby make fun of him and then, like, maybe get him a snappy retort real quick, he just keeps right. talking. And it's like, Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it would have like, been way better with just a snappy kind of comeback. And then, or, like, and or then having, we drop having CJ bring it down and, like, redirect him like she does eventually. Right. We do get that pivot of, like, oh, by the way, the girl died to bring down the scene once they're having too much fun. Because as we all know, in West Wing, you can't have too much fun unless you just, like, won an election or something. That's the only time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, there I, I have a note here that's just, like... The, the president gets kind of, you know, downcast and, and sad because a little girl died. But, hey, you know, if 30,000 little girls die in a given year in the United States to, you know, gun violence, we, you know, that's just, that's a problem for the public health people. Right. Like, well, and he just, he brings up that statistic much later in this episode, but doesn't really do anything with it. Yeah. And frankly, again, my, my views on guns are a little... um Honest at all, fine. It's we don't even need to talk about my views on guns, but um, it's just the the opening just goes fucking forever. Yeah, um, and that's fine. That's fine. We have good guy with the gun narrative being turned right. on its head. So, so we haven't. There isn't even really like a main issue for this episode that gets like you know. There's no main task they're all working on or toward. 
Uh, Sam gets this plot line that was clearly dropped in from an unwritten Big Block of Cheese Day episode where he's mm-hmm. trying to convince some aide to some congressperson to help sign on this $30 billion education loan bill. And the guy's like, sure, we just want you to sign on our bill too. And he goes, yeah, sure, sure. what's your bill? And he's like, the Elimination of the Penny Act. And he's like, why the fuck would you want to get rid of pennies? That sounds stupid. And he's like, actually, and goes into all, <laughs> all the reasons that pennies are fucking worthless, even back in 90, or, you know, this is early aughts at this, like, 2001, 2002 and, like, even back then, we realized they're worthless. As we transition even more to being a cashless society, they have become increasingly worthless. Uh, as he's, he's like, you can't even buy anything with a penny. And Sam was like, you can buy a gumball. He's like, no, those are a nickel now. <laughs> it's like, thank, thanks, Gramps. Yeah. Like, like fucking... <laughs> who the fuck thinks they can buy anything with a penny? I haven't been able yeah. to buy shit with a penny my entire life, even when I was yeah. a child. Things yeah, cost more than a goddamn penny. Like, what fucking, what 1920s, yeah. So Sam's Sam then goes down this rabbit hole and throughout the rest of the episode is obsessed with the penny thing and is talking about the penny thing to anyone. And they're all like, Sam, you seem like a two-bit far gone on the penny thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know. I've become a weird person that attracts themselves to Washington. That whole oh, yeah, and they definitely... <laughs> They, they go into that bit, they make it explicit. It's like, Washington brings weird people here. Like, we're all deeply yeah, fucked up. Like, this, like yeah. this weird dude who wants to practically eliminate the penny for many practical purposes. What a weirdo. <laughs> I don't, like, yeah. Again, they're trying to make it like a big block of cheese thing, but without making it explicit, it just comes across as, like, weirdly, anti- weirdly like, pro-penny. Like, weirdly defensive of the penny. <laughs> Yeah, I think in West Wing world, it is a and, you know, to be fair, it comes down as a it is. And the reasoning is really dumb because the guy that's holding up the modernization of currency act, whatever the fuck it's called, is an Illinois senator. Right. Where they and they still make uh, pennies in the toll lane. Well, but they also draw the conclusion explicitly that because Abe Lincoln is from Illinois, and you know the mm-hmm. Illinois is the land of Lincoln, Abe Lincoln being on the penny is important to Illinois. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but that what? <laughs> like, are are you serious? And that that no shit. In case you listeners have not watched this episode, is the the reasoning for why this is this is like a, a thing that doesn't get done it's the penny isn't going to get done away with for all these practical purposes because fucking it, the guy from well, illinois doesn't want it to. whoever represents illinois is going to throw a hissy if, Holy if we try shit. to get rid of the penny yeah this is this is what it is and to be fair they do call it out with oh man politics is dumb but like man are you underselling it <laughs> let's uh so let's take a quick break and then kay. we'll we'll come back and we'll talk more about what's going on open your eyes hey it's a It's a handgun. It's a handgun. It's a handgun. It's a 
the crimes theme crimes 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 crimes, crimes. <laughs> of the episode sort of kicks off we have donna being deposed in service of the investigation into the bartlett administration's blatant um falsification right or no, the MS neglect scandal. the ms scandal she's yeah. getting deposed by her sort of erstwhile off and on boyfriend cliff callie it, it feels like they were a fling, but, like, more than one night fling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it becomes explicit eventually because... So, what basically happens is um, Donna functionally perjures herself because she lies under Whoopsie oath. doodle. <laughs> yeah, oops. Yeah, hey, no problem. <laughs> oops, perjured and, a little. <laughs> and what's, what's absolutely baffling is Cliff Callie knows she does it. Right. And then instead of just like um like stonewalling it or just kind of sitting there in silence he goes to the length of having the stenographer repeat back what she said even though it's like question do you have a diary respondent yes <laughs> and he's <laughs> or like no thank he's or yeah no she says she no because no. that's yeah, yeah. the perjury <laughs> well but yeah and, but yeah and, it's and like that's like, it and he's trying to make like a big <laughs> point about it like yeah and and it's it's so um, on the nose as to be ridiculous. And so, speaking of on the nose, like their future interactions in the episode are quite. It just there is a and I, I oh specifically remarked on this like when they yeah, meet up with again with the fucking umbrellas. Holy the- shit! It's like all of a sudden they have a new cinematographer on the West Wing staff or they, something because they're trying it is to the, film the parking garage handoff meeting thing and, but like there's no parking garage and they're just two feet apart. <laughs> and it is like this it's it pouring rain. overhead overhead pouring rain like straight out of I, I wrote Baz Luhrmann but it's wrong. It's not it's not Baz Luhrmann. It's straight out of um, what the fuck is his it's name? It's how like Spielberg or someone would just shoot like yes. a catch me if you can moment. Like, yes, yes, yeah. no. It's it's um it's Sam Mendes. It's Road to Perdition. Mm. It's very much like mm. it is black and we are above and the right. raindrops cause a, a halo effect or whatever. But yeah, and it's it's almost it seven esque too. Yeah, like yeah, it just like, comes out of nowhere. It's like, out of <laughs> no like the rest of the episode is all perfectly normal. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, actually, like, some quite shitty shots where it's like, why is this lit like this again? Right. That looks like, like, bad TV lighting. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we got a fucking noir shot. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So he has, like, the whole, like, I know you have a diary. Like, that's where they have their big tense, like, second confrontation is during said noir shot. Uh, so, which then leads to a third sort of noir-esque shot that is ruined by the fountain from Friends making a cameo. Because <laughs> <laughs> all I can picture during this scene is fucking them just dancing around in the, in the fountain. Uh, but where they have the big meeting with the actual diary. Uh, and, and, we'll, and do you want to get yeah. into the, Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. While, while we're on the topic. Yeah, where Cl- uh, Josh offers Cliff the opportunity to read it. And I guess they're basically checking to see if it's material or not. And well, like, I think the under the understanding is that behind the scenes they'll like hand wave the perjury, right? If it's immaterial, mm-hmm. so you know. But if there's anything major in there, then oops, we got to figure some shit out or whatever. 
But, uh, yeah, and then the whole bit where Josh is like, all right, and if you try to leak this to anyone, I got... I got I got the entries for October fourth and October fifth, and my favorite part is Cliff, like an idiot, goes, "Wait, what's October fourth and October?" Oh, oh, come on, Cliff, you don't remember? What an insult to Donna! <laughs> yeah, she wasn't that great, am I right, guys? <laughs> he, he no, can't and even it's, remember. And and casting casting this interaction in the frame of josh and donna's yes. personal relationship yes. is also let's, bizarre let's get into that no let's like, de- let's it's intentionally done that way where uh like it's the, the part of the drama being mined here is that she ha- has to go to josh for help and josh has to deal with the fact that this dude banged this girl that he's obviously into and like there's a tension that is clearly being wrought there uh, intentionally so, and it's weird. It's it is weird, but it's being intentionally done. Oh yeah, it's it's very deliberate, but it's like it just makes it all the more. Um, I, I don't know if you want it. It is being. Your, I think you're. Well, I think your phrasing is right. It's being mined for drama rather right. than put to use in the plot or anything. It's right. It's to up the emotional stakes of the interactions, essentially. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, this is. It's going to be. It is a legitimate usage of real power, and yes. like Cliff Cowley could like really fuck these people up if yes. he felt like it. And of course, nothing ever happens because you know it's the West Wing, right? So, well, but I, I think we're meant to understand both. A Donna would never write down anything in her diary that's like, by the way, the president has MS, and <laughs> I've been extremely incriminating about it. Like, A, she's not going to do that. And then B, since Cliff likes Donna, he's looking to, like, find a way to not pursue this, like, to the most, you know, hardcore Ken sure. Bur- Burns star. I always get him mixed up, you know. Ken star level, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, not to the Ken star. This is, you know, I think they even admit at one point that this is basically going nowhere and now the problem is, like, Donna's diary gate will be the thing that, like, blows <laughs> this wide open. Well, and so, I mean, the other thing about this is that if Josh is meant to be, this is, this is again, in service of drama, is that if Josh is intended to be a Rahm Emanuel analog right. yeah, in yeah. this White House, it's like, I, I literally wrote down, it's like, Rahm Emanuel would have fired her on the spot and given him the journal. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, okay, what if Rahm was fucking her, though? Like, uh, God. What about Jesus that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, so this, this storyline, you know, goes through, and this is, um, you know, it's... It culminates in a very, like you said, they're trying to film like the handoff in the garage. Very thing, much so. But yes. but the the fountain a it doesn't exist, and <laughs> it's clearly a soundstage. And it's it is bar- like there it's are borrowed from friend the friends intro. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's like a single lighting source, and like it's just enough greenery. To, like, establish one two-shot or whatever. Yeah, and so. he's like, you'll go to that cafe over there off screen that we don't have to, <laughs> we don't actually have to shoot. Yeah, we'll, we'll meet up with all the rest of your friends who are just off screen <laughs> laughing about this. About, about the diary. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Okay. Let's... So that's what happens with Donna in this episode. You know, yes. nothing really comes out of the cliff kind of thing. I'd also like to say that it's interesting, an interesting choice of last name. For this guy, mainly because I'm politics poisoned, and I immediately think of William Callie of the My Lie Massacre when oh. this name comes up. But 
Anyway, apparently, you know, there's clearly no relation. Um, okay. Yeah, so, I think it's just a quinky dinky. Yep. So that's uh, that's how Donna's shit goes down in this episode. Let's take another brief break, and then we can talk about Leo's crimes. Yay! Um, sort of to keep with the title of the episode, we get a general of some stripe coming to visit Leo in the White House about the White House's and I guess the administration's position on the establishment of an international criminal court. Uh, a war with, crimes tribunal, correct. Exactly, with specific regard to war crimes. And so we start off with the presumption that this is just like an optics thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in something that is actually quite surprisingly self-aware, it turns out that as Leo and the general have this dialogue between the two of them, <laughs> the general is just like, hey, Leo, remember um, Operation Rolling Thunder? You remember that target that you thought was a bridge or like a, a military yeah. caravan or some shit? Turns it, out it was you a civilian like- dam. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out you killed like a thousand people or what? No, it was, it was specific. like a, it was like eleven people. It wasn't a, okay. it wasn't a huge number, but still eleven civilian. You know, <laughs> yeah. like just you know, nice Vietnamese dam workers. You know, mm-hmm. didn't do nobody no wrong until Leo came by and fucking blew him up. <laughs> yeah, until Leo flew his A four Phantom by with a couple five hundred pound bombs. Was like, nope, sorry. And it's like, so oh, I made double ace today, boys. <laughs> yeah, way to go. So it's. Really, um, Leo's character, so we haven't been, like, really beaten over no. the head with his identity as a military officer. Not not in so a long far. time. No, not since, like, season one, back when Bartley couldn't handle the military and he kept going to Leo. I think that's when we got a little bit more of, like, Leo's military bona fides. But it's been relatively light on talking about Leo at all for the past... I don't know, season and, and, and a half-ish, it feels like. Yeah, oh, and I mean, honestly, outside of, like, the uh, sort of extrajudicial stuff with the Haiti coup and whatever, Nancy McNally stepped into that role, yes. like, really easily as a character. As being, so, like, the military advisor person. Yes, yeah, absolutely. She kind of fills in for Fitzsimmons, who, who is yep. now downplayed more, and, and now sort of Nancy steps into that role. You're right. Yeah, well, and so... The, the fact that we as the viewer are both meant to understand that Leo is the military guy and then also that he is this consummate political operator. Right. This scene is completely bizarre. I do not understand because even in 2001, I mean, so we evacuated Hanoi in 1975. Right. It's been 26 years since we were. Right. I mean. Honestly, it's probably been zero years since we had an active military right, presence right. over there. But since, but you know, boots on the since ground, combat operations yeah. ended in, in Vietnam. And it is amazing that the guy just kind of hands Leo this dossier. And Leo is in such shock <laughs> that he could possibly 
have been complicit in, and let's be clear, like the definition of war crimes being particularly broad, right. which as frankly it should be because all wars are crimes. As the episode um, so yes. so deeply <laughs> notes on us as Leo has his mini freak out, I, which is just, I just find adorable. Uh, it's like, it's so naive and like, uh, of course, Leo, like uh, uh, A, of course, but then B, I, I get it. Like I get it from a writing perspective. This is like every boomer's nightmare mayor like oh my god you're telling me that those hippies that i imagine spinning on me were <laughs> they were right the whole time i am a baby killer <laughs> well and just yeah and i think he's it's he again as portrayed as a consummate smooth political operator who just handles things right like, you have to have an element of cynicism about stuff and nope so far nobody in the administration and this is part of the show's gimmick has been really painted as like like a super true believer. Everybody Sam, has Sam their little, is Sam's the closest. I, I would disagree because his is masked in the overarching intellectual like uh, character traits because it never. I don't. I don't think Sam ever really comes around to ignore facts that are in front of his face Mm. like there's always a spin to be made sure and he's a lawyer that's what he does but like the 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 leo thing here is so out of no it's just like whoa that's why that's why i find it so funny it's just like yeah and like he suddenly acts all offended and and meanwhile the the general guy i love the way the general guy plays it where he's just like leo you fucking idiot like (laughs) It's like, dude, what? How could you not have thought of this? If we establish a war did, did crime, you, did you not realize you are a war criminal, Leo? Like, like I war, am. War. You are all the Joint <laughs> Chiefs. Your your president, <laughs> like, basically, <laughs> like every officer and most of the troops. Like, <laughs> yeah. And well, the, you get sorry. I should say most of the troops. <laughs> off, uh, oh, four, uh, uh, oh, three and up. Yeah, yeah um, sure. <laughs> whatever he said. So, um. But and it's it's very much the you get this like silence and this piddly little patriotic trumpet trill <laughs> in the background of being like oh, gazing like the 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 filmographic equivalent of like long hundred yard stare into the distance. It's just like you can tell it's a bad episode when the music is obviously manipulative. In, oh. in the better ones, it's either more seamless or there's none at all, which is I respect when there's no music. Uh, oh, so, for sure. So it's, much more. It's almost always more impactful. When you're letting just the actual power of the scene have its play. It can be useful sometimes. All right. Well, I think we're we're conditioned to, and this is tangential, but we're conditioned to be told right. through sound cues what to feel. the emotions we're supposed to be feeling. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you don't do it, but you feel it anyway, that is the true mark of success in something like this. But the general's just like, dude. Can't believe you didn't think about this. Anyway, see you down yeah, at the right, anyway, hall. Peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, by the way, get me some time with the president on Wednesday. Thanks. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> so good. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's Leo's bit in this episode. Um, yeah. Again, we'll take a brief break here and we can circle back on some other characters. Ever want to die? Of course you have. I want to. I get my So I killed Joe. 
Alright, so I mentioned earlier that this is the Sunday episode, and I really do mean that this is the fucking Sunday episode. Not only do we start with a discussion of what happened at church, but then we get, uh, throughout the episode, all the boys talking to each other. Uh, to be fair, CJ gets in a little as well, uh, about who they want to bet on for fucking NFL Sunday. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It's church and football day, guys. Dun, 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 dun. This is America. Dun, dun, dun. brought to you by Ford. uh yeah so i just find it funny that like it's it's i guess it's a fine thing as anything to throw in as not even like a d plot but more of a just a running gag of of just like they're constantly talking about like oh green bay is gonna kill chicago and blah 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 and i'm not even arsed enough to get into their stupid fictional world to figure out what fucking year it is to determine if any of these (laughs) so-and-sos is gonna beat so-and-sos is even close to being accurate i'm just gonna roll with it um but yeah so it's Sunday officially we got football we got church and then we got fucking Toby calling you junior White House staffer on your day off telling you we're uh get your ass here within two hours or don't show up on Monday uh in the middle of your fucking Sunday Ugh. afternoon plans or whatever on your what is presumably your one day off because uh, I assume these people at least work six days a week if our main staff is there seven days a week uh, so it just gets into the whole West Wing overwork fucking and how it's the best ideal possible to be. Oh, well, and I mean, even and again, my wife sits here and goes like it is pe- these people are constantly working. And yes, there's so and the distinction that they take care to draw in the filming is that everybody is not in a suit like right. it is. It's on almost too on the nose to be like, hey, guys casual clothes because it's sunday and even um and frankly this may actually be to his credit hoynes hoynes is the only one wearing a suit well and it may even be i was gonna say to his credit uh richard schiff his mannerisms are different when he is in non-work mode or when he's sitting in his chair like he's he's sort of like anxious and definitely like more nebbish than he usually is and it's yeah. like flipping a switch when he goes back into work mode. So there's this right. bizarre contrast of everybody's always on here with actually I'm going to physically film how Toby is not on in right. this moment. Where he's like, I'm not, you know, he's doing that. I'm here, but I'm not here. Yeah. Thing, which I love. I love that move when it works. <laughs> well, um, and then we get them all together in the White House cafeteria, all the staffers or whatever. And. Oh my god! I, did, I don't uh, think I even I don't even I, I rolled again, my eyes again. Imagine so the hard. context is like say you're it's your Sunday. You're watching football or you're out with your significant other. Maybe you're enjoying a nice day in the park, a picnic, <laughs> something like that. And you get fucking paged by your goddamn boss who tells you be here in the next two hours or don't fucking show up Monday because your ass is fired. And you have to fucking come in and listen to Toby sanctimoniously fucking. Screed about the value of teamwork <laughs> and how we're all a fucking team. And I know one of you leaked something to feel special. And if you were the leaker, go quit because I'm mad at and, you. And <laughs> and we're supposed to take a charitable view of this because Toby doesn't go off 
on like a rant or a scream or a witch hunt exactly or, yeah like like he did that last time that this exact same scenario happened where a minor quote that is not going to do anything at all because cool reporter guy just ends up throwing the story away <laughs> for cool reporter reasons which we should get also get into but yeah so this minor level quote that's not going to affect anything and we're supposed to give toby like credit for not for going, not onto going a, nuts but still wasting everyone's fucking time on their goddamn day and, off. and it's like, so qu- i'm so mad it is quintessentially like he does the sort of like look up over everybody's head collect his thoughts thing and starts his fucking speech with there's an old saying <laughs> like, uh, oh my god this isn't uh, this isn't high school forensics team. You're not giving your two man speed, whatever the fuck you call it. First, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them what I'm gonna tell them, and then I'm gonna tell it to them, and then I'll tell tell them what I've told them. Uh, so uh, we the the Sunday theme sort of continues through because Bartlett is being updated about like football scores throughout yes. the thing. And to tie that back to the shooting in Texas, there is a a deep sort of cynical political interaction between him and Hoynes, because basically Leo says, send Hoynes to Texas to like defray the tension with this shooting. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we made like, it. Ex- go, 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 go talk to your people, Hoynes, because you're a southern man and they like you down there. Well, and, and I don't know if we made this explicit or the show has made it explicit in the past. He's from Texas. Um, right. And it's actually... They, they, they said on many times that Hoynes delivered the South for Bartlett. Yep, yep. And so it's actually like this was something that actually made me um, kind of almost do a little bit of a, a double take because Bartlett offers Hoynes a beer when he comes yes. in and now so this is a very like it's it's on its surface i, I, I think he doesn't know so i so think do it, I. it's a perfectly honest i but hoynes has to, it's just a moment of awkwardness for hoynes where he has to ask for water instead because he's an alcoholic well and uh, uh, to, but i'm pretty sure bartlett doesn't know but if he does he this is the biggest of dick moves oh well and, and and to be fair that is also why i wrote this down because this is for me, frankly, this is the best part of the writing of this episode is yeah. it lets the viewer go. It, it's ambiguous a little. Yeah. yeah. It, you could see it either way. Like maybe he is just doing a giant dick move <laughs> to, pu- to pull a power move on Hoynes in this situation, essentially. Yeah. And so they tie it together and they talk about this whole, like they, they engage in just a fucking shitload of stereotypical um, em- empty rhetoric lib about, rhetoric about gun yeah. control and whatever and it's just May embarrassing issue, issue and like to talk about axe control and fuck oh God. me and so they they end up the the cutting quote is basically uh hoyne says like he says why don't you you need to go speak to these people about your values and hoyne says it's because they're not my values mr president they're yours which frankly is true yes and we're supposed to i believe we are supposed to view this as hoynes being sort of obstreperous and and being like a dick to the president but it's also just it seems exploitative it's like well he he's basically he's announced that and he's like you know i was and then bartlett throws it in his face is like we wouldn't have been 
we would have been able to keep a handle on the MS thing if you hadn't fucking started all your poll dropping and, like, trying to run for president shit. And he's like, that's not my fault. I, I thought no one told me. He's like, I found out live on television. Yeah, I was told about the MS about when the media was, basically. Yeah, and he's like, so was my wife. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, or, that was about re-election. Well, and so, you know, but between the two of them, they eventually... They, they, they just have a real fucking yell at each other. Yeah. And then they just conclude with like, well, it sure sucks being your vice president. And he's like, yeah... <laughs> I guess it probably does. And then then he's going to go, he's going to fucking, he's going to fucking go to Texas because, you know, he was told and, you know, president dad wants him to do it. So, yeah. Um, I think that about does it. So let's take a brief break and then wrap up. We got to talk about big shirt energy, but I want to give it, I want to give it its due in the next segment. All right. Great. The CJ arc in this episode is characterized by this reporter who we mentioned early. And I, I just need to I, say before we even get into it that he's not, and I looked it up to be sure, but he so reminds me of this guy who played Curtis Craig in the game Phantasmagoria 2, A Puzzle of Flesh, which I know there's one goon listening who knows this reference and, and thus <laughs> will understand what I'm talking about. Possibly more than one of you. Uh, but I looked it up. He is not the guy who played Curtis Craig, uh, but he's got that exact same energy of just like, I don't know, dude, he's got late nineties, early aughts, dude energy. Uh, and that definitely goes with his big ass shirt. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's very just cavalier and he's seen everything and done everything. So you know what? Nothing affects him. He's not like peacocking or anything, bro. It's but he's it, just like he's cool as hell. It's it's ba- it's Beto energy. It's like it's <laughs> it's very Gen Xery, especially when he's like when he like tells he basically negs CJ about how shitty being a White House reporter is. Where he's like where he's like I don't want to be a fucking stenographer and I don't write about gossip. Um, oh. But I guess the paper fucking has me here. So fuck. What are you up to, lady? <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course like he he relates this fucking oriental oh story God. about like a tribe on some island he's that like, was gonna eat him where he literally says i'm the first white man to witness the fucking oh, rich, no. rituals of the whatever tribe and like, oh my god and talks about so... how they, they would like ritualistically murder cj if they ever saw her ah uh, and like 20 years ago you just know there are people just be just splooshing over <laughs> this guy it's just like uh, holy shit he's this fucking is seen up. the world man <laughs> This, well, and this dude is you know, leading a romantic comedy in some other like movie or TV show, you know. He he's like um it's almost like um, the cool foreign reporter who takes the uh marketing director <laughs> off her feet. It's like no, that's not I was I was going to make a comparison that's not apt. But anyway, he's got just the baggiest of shirts. <laughs> he wears like this this chambray shirt that is 
in in 2019 parlance probably like three sizes too big it's right up there it's, just, it's right up there with doug's big shirt from that one manchester episode yeah. just like super late 90s early aughts big yeah. shirt fucking energy <laughs> and you know he's he's got it tucked in and bloused out because you know that's that's how you be business casual. Especially on Sunday. It's Sunday in the White <laughs> That's House. That's right. It's Sunday in the White House, you know, baby. He, he would have had it tucked in Monday to Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that kind of wraps this episode up. There's a lot of shit going on. This is a rowdier one of our... Yeah, there's like, again, a lot. Of, yeah, but it was a good one. Um, the next episode is entitled Gone Quiet, which is about an American submarine doing said exactly that in hostile North Korean waters. Ooh, dun, again, dun, dun. topical. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Abigail learns her past malpractice suits might be Bartlett's Achilles heel in this criminal investigation. So well. we have a lot to look forward to. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, we do. The drama. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your comments. Email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. I hope everybody or those of our listeners who are Jewish have a happy new year and had a good fast yes. today. Um, we will catch you guys up next week. Hopefully. See you then. All right. Bye-bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on 